Hello, and welcome to Bun Bun Storytime, a podcast where I read various books to listeners. In today's episode, I'll continue on my Greek mythology series where I left off. I hear wedding bells for sweet, sweet Persephone. So join me as I hop right in. Persephone marries her stalker, or Demeter the sequel. I have to be honest, Persephone is probably one of my favorite Greek goddesses. I mean, heck, the girl almost destroyed the universe. But she wasn't always that cool. And her name wasn't always Persephone. In fact, she was born named Kor, which means simple maiden. And yet, I know that's kind of a meh name, but the name matched the girl. It wasn't until later that she got renamed to Persephone, she who brings chaos. But you'll see that soon enough. Persephone was very pretty. She had her mother's long blonde hair and Zeus's sky blue eyes. She didn't have a care in the world. She was sure the whole world had been invented just for her pleasure. I guess when your parents are both gods, you can come to believe that. She loved the outdoors She spent her days roaming the countryside with her nymph and goddess friends, wading in streams, picking flowers in sunlit meadows, eating fresh fruit right off the tree. Heck, I'm just making this up. But I'm guessing that's what a teenage goddess would have done before smartphones were invented. The thing is, Persephone didn't have much else going on for her. She wasn't all that bright. She wasn't all that brave. She didn't really have any goals or hobbies, other than the flower-picking thing. She was just kind of there, enjoying life and being a spoiled, sheltered kid. I guess it's nice work if you can get it, but I didn't grow up that way. Still, Demeter lived for her daughter, and I can't blame her for being overprotective. Demeter had had enough bad experiences with those sneaky male gods I mean, after all, Persephone had come into the world because of a snake ambush. The kid was lucky she wasn't hatched from an egg. Of course, since Persephone was declared off-limits, all the male gods noticed her and thought she was incredibly hot. They all wanted to marry her, but they all knew that Demeter would never allow it. Anytime one of them got close... Demeter appeared out of nowhere with her dragon-drawn chariot and her wicked golden sword. Most of the gods let it go. They decided to find some safer goddess to date. But one god couldn't get Persephone out of his mind. Namely Hades, lord of the underworld. I know what you're thinking. Perfect match, right? An old gloomy dude who lives in the world's largest cave, filled with the souls of the dead. And he falls in love with a pretty young girl who likes sunlight and flowers in the great outdoors. What could possibly go wrong? Hades knew it was hopeless. Persephone was completely out of his league. Besides, Demeter wouldn't let any god get close to her daughter. No way in Tartarus would she let Hades date her. Hades tried to get over her, but he was lonely down there. With no company except for the dead... He kept putting on his helmet of invisibility and sneaking up to the mortal world so he could watch Persephone frolic around. In other words, 
he was the world's first stalker. I don't know if you've ever had a crush on somebody that bad, but Hades had it bad. He kept sketches of Persephone in his pocket. He carved her name on his obsidian dining room table with a knife, which took a lot of work. He dreamed about her and had imaginary conversations with her where he admitted his love, and she confessed that she had always had a thing for creepy older guys who lived in caves full of dead people. Hades got so distracted, he couldn't even concentrate on his work. His job was to sort out the souls of the dead once they got to the underworld. But the ghost started escaping back into the world, or wandering into the wrong spiritual neighborhoods. The traffic jams at the gates to the underworld got ridiculous. Finally, Hades couldn't stand it anymore. To his credit, he didn't try to trick Persephone or take her by force. At least not at first. He thought, well, Demeter will never listen to me. Maybe I should talk to Persephone's dad. You see, it wasn't easy for Hades to visit Mount Olympus. He knew he wasn't welcome there. He certainly didn't want to ask any favors from his annoying little brother Zeus. But he put on a brave face and marched into the Olympian throne room. He just so happened to catch Zeus in a good mood. The Lord of the Skies had just finished all his godly work for the week, scheduling the clouds, organizing the winds, and just doing whatever else a god has to do. Now, he was sitting back, drinking some nectar, and enjoying the gorgeous day. He was daydreaming about another beautiful maiden he was intent on marrying, namely Hera. So when Hades came to see him, Zeus had a faraway smile on his face. Lord Zeus, Hades bowed. Hades, Zeus cried. What's up, my man? Long time no see. Hades was tempted to remind Zeus that it was long time no see because Zeus had told him he wasn't welcome on Mount Olympus. But he decided he'd better not mention that. Uh, actually, Hades tugged nervously at his black robes. I need some advice. It's about a woman. Zeus grinned. You've come to the right place. The ladies love me. Okay. Hades started to wonder if this was a good idea. Well, it's about one lady in particular. Your daughter, Persephone? Zeus's smile wavered. Say what now? Hades had been holding in his feelings for so long, he just broke down. He confessed everything, even the stalker stuff. He promised he would make an excellent husband to Persephone. He would be devoted and give her everything she wanted, if only Zeus would give him permission to marry her. Zeus stroked his beard. Most days, he would have gotten angry at such a ridiculous request. He would have brought out his lightning bolts and sent Hades back to the underworld with his robes on fire and his hair all spiky and smoking. But today, Zeus was in a good mood. He was actually sort of touched that Hades had come to him with his problem and had been so honest. He felt sorry for his creepy stalker brother, and he definitely understood how a guy could get obsessed with a woman. Sure, Persephone was his daughter, 
But Zeus had lots of daughters by lots of different ladies. It wasn't like Persephone was his special favorite or anything like that. He was inclined to be generous and give her away. He drummed his fingers on the arm of his throne. The problem is Demeter. Uh, that is Demeter's kid, right? I forgot. Yes, my lord, Hades said. If I recall correctly, that's her favorite daughter, Zeus remembered. The light of her life, whom she never lets out of her sight, etc., etc. Yes, my lord. Hades started to feel uncomfortable. Should I talk to Demeter? I mean, perhaps if you broke the ice and made her promise to listen. Or maybe I should just declare my love to Persephone. What? Zeus looked appalled. Be honest with a woman? That never works, bro. You've got to be strong. Take what you want. Uh, really? Always worked for me, Zeus said. I suggest kidnapping. When nobody is looking, capture Persephone and take her back to your crib. Demeter won't know what happened. By the time she figures it out, too late. Persephone will be yours. You have plenty of time to convince the young lady to stay with you in the underworld. Hades was starting to have doubts about Zeus's wisdom. Um, you're sure this is a good idea? Totally! Zeus said. Hades chewed his lip. The whole kidnapping thing seemed a little bit risky. He wasn't sure if Persephone would actually like being abducted, but he didn't know much about women. Maybe Zeus was right. And for the record, no, he wasn't. There's just one problem, my lord, Hades said. Persephone is never alone. She's either with Demeter or with some nymph or goddess chaperones. How can I abduct her in secret? Even if I use my invisibility helmet, I can't turn her invisible or stop her from screaming. Zeus's eyes twinkled mischievously. Leave that to me. Go get your chariot ready. Zeus waited until Demeter was busy doing some agricultural stuff on the far side of the world, like ripening the barley in Libya. Or something. I'm not sure what. Anyway, Persephone was left in the care of her nymph chaperones. Usually that worked out fine, but the nymphs weren't really cut out to be bodyguards. They could be easily distracted, and so could Persephone. As usual, the girls went out into the meadows. They spent the morning exploring the hills and having splash fights in the river. After a nice lazy lunch, letting their dresses dry in the sunlight, Persephone decided to go pick some flowers. Don't wander too far, one of the nymphs called. I won't, Persephone promised. She wasn't worried. The world was her playground. Everyone loved her. And besides, what could possibly go wrong while she was picking flowers in a meadow? The nymphs were sleepy and warm and full from lunch, and they lay down for a nap. Persephone roamed the hillside until she gathered enough for a bouquet from the nearest rose bushes. For some reason, the roses didn't even have thorns. 
Their intoxicating smell made Persephone giddy. She traipsed a little farther away and spotted a whole field of violets. Ooh, pretty. She wandered through the violets, picking the best ones and dropping the roses, because they now seemed pale in comparison. Well, you can probably see where this is going, but Persephone was clueless. She didn't realize Zeus was causing these flowers to grow, making each batch more beautiful and fragrant than the last, leading Persephone farther and farther away from her chaperones. So how could Zeus, a sky god, make flowers on Earth grow? My best guess, he still had some pull with Gaia, the Earth Mother, even though she was asleep. I'm thinking Zeus could occasionally summon her power and make things happen on the Earth. Maybe not huge things, like creating mountains, but making flowers grow? Not a big deal. Persephone wandered from flower patch to flower patch, murmuring, Ooh, pretty. Ooh, that one's pretty too, as she picked her favorites. Before she realized it, she was miles away from her sleeping nymph friends. She meandered into a secluded valley filled with hyacinths. She was reaching down to pick a beautiful red one when the ground rumbled. A chasm opened at her feet, and four black horses pulling a massive chariot thundered into the sunlight. The driver was dressed in dark flowing robes. He wore iron gloves with a huge sword at his side and whip in his hand. His face was covered with an elaborate bronze helmet engraved with images of death and torture. In retrospect, Hades wondered if it was such a good idea to wear his helmet of terror on a first date. But by then it was too late. Persephone screamed and fell backward into the grass. She should have run, but she was in shock. She couldn't even fathom what was happening. Everything had always revolved around her, gone her way. She couldn't be in danger. She was pretty sure she hadn't wished for a demonic-looking guy in a giant black chariot to come and trample her hyacinths. Truth be told, she'd occasionally had daydreams about some handsome young man sweeping her off her feet. She and the nymphs had spent quite a lot of time giggling about that. But this was not what she'd envisioned. Hades took off his helm. His complexion was even paler than usual. He had a bad case of helmet hair. He was sweating and nervous and blinking like he had something in his eyes. I am Hades, he said in a squeaky voice. I love you. Persephone screamed again, much louder. Not knowing what else to do, Hades grabbed her arm, pulled her into the chariot, and spurred his horses. His dark ride disappeared into the earth. The chasm closed up behind him. The only person who saw the kidnapping was the Titan Helios, way up in his chick magnet sun chariot, because he had a great view and could see pretty much everything. But do you think he got on the phone to Olympus to report a kidnapping? Not a chance. First, they didn't have phones. Second, Helios didn't like to get involved with godly drama. He was a titan after all. He figured he was lucky just to have a job and not get thrown into Tartarus. Also, this kidnapping wasn't the craziest thing he'd seen while crossing the sky every day. Those gods were always doing wild things. 
man, the stories he could tell. Someday he should write a book. So Helios continued on his way. As for the nymphs who were supposed to be watching Persephone, they slept right through the abduction. The only person who heard Persephone screaming was the most unlikely person you could imagine. In a cave on a nearby mountainside, a titan named Hecate was minding her own business. Hecate was into magic and spooky nighttime crossroads and ghosts. She was sort of the first super fan of Halloween. Now, normally, she only left her cave after dark. So that day, she was sitting inside reading a spell, or something, when she heard the girl screaming. Hecate may have been a dark goddess of magic, but she wasn't evil. She immediately ran to help, but by the time she got to that meadow, the action was over. Hecate's magic was weak in the daytime. She could tell that the earth had been opened and somebody had been snatched up in a chariot and dragged underground, but she had no idea who the kidnapper was or who was the kidnappee. Hecate wasn't sure what to do. It wasn't like she could just call 911. Since she didn't know the facts, she decided to go back to her cave and wait until nightfall when she could cast better spells and hopefully get some more information. Meanwhile, the nymphs woke up from their nap and went looking for Persephone, but she had literally vanished off the face of the earth. The nymphs were starting to panic by the time Demeter returned, and found out that her precious daughter was missing. I'm not sure what Demeter did to punish those nymphs, but it could not have been good. Anyway, Demeter was more than a little freaked. She wandered around, shouting for Persephone, until her voice got hoarse. She asked everyone she met if they had seen anything. For nine days, Demeter didn't change her clothes, nor take a bath. She didn't eat nor sleep. She did nothing but look for Persephone. She must have started searching in the wrong direction, because on the tenth day, she finally circled back around and combed the area near Hecate's cave. Hecate heard Demeter calling for Persephone. Immediately, the magic goddess put two and two together. Every night, Hecate had been trying to figure out what the abduction was all about, but her spells weren't telling her anything. Some strong magic was at work, covering up the kidnapping. Hecate had a feeling a powerful god was behind it, or maybe more than one. Hecate ran down to meet Demeter. She told the grain goddess about the screaming she'd heard and her belief that some unknown god had kidnapped Persephone. The distraught mom didn't take the news very well. She shrieked so loudly that all the plants within a five-mile radius withered and died. For hundreds of miles in each direction, every ear of corn on the Greek mainland exploded into popcorn. I will find whoever has taken her, Demeter wailed. I will murder him. Then I will murder him again. At this point, most folks would have backed away from the crazy lady, but Hecate felt bad for her. I'll help you search tonight, she told Demeter. I've got torches, and I'm really good at seeing in the dark. They searched from dusk until dawn, but had no luck. Hecate went back to her cave to rest, 
promising to help again after nightfall. But Demeter could not stop. It wasn't until much later, and I mean way later, that Demeter was informed that Helios was trying to impress mortal women with the tale of Persephone's kidnapping, leaving out, of course, the most important bit of information, who the kidnapper was. Bun Bun's Storytime is brought to you in part by Radio Public. Radio Public is free, easy to use, and helps listeners like you find and support shows like mine. When you listen to my show on Radio Public, everyone benefits. Helios knew he was in trouble as soon as Demeter burst into his throne room. The Sun Titan always liked to relax in the last hours of the night before he had to saddle his fiery horses and get back to work. He was kicking back, thinking about all the crazy stuff he'd been seeing during his ride the day before. He really should write a book. Then suddenly, the bronze doors of his audience chamber flew open, and Demeter rode her dragon-drawn chariot right up to the steps of his throne. The dragons snarled and bared their fangs, drooling all over Helios's golden shoes. Uh, hi, he said nervously. Helios, I'm only going to ask you this once. Where is my daughter? Demeter's voice was calm and deadly serious. Helios winced. He didn't want to get involved in any godly disagreements. They didn't pay him enough for that. But he decided that right now was not the time to withhold information. Hades took her, he said. He told her everything he'd seen. Demeter held back a scream. She didn't want to cause another popcorn explosion. But Hades? Of all the disgusting, horrible male gods who might have taken her precious daughter... Hades, to her, was the most disgusting and horrible of all. And why didn't you tell me this sooner? Her voice was sharp as her scythe. Well, um, never mind, she snapped. I'll deal with you later. When Zeus hears how Hades has dishonored our daughter, he'll be furious. She rode out of the Sun Palace and made straight for Mount Olympus. As you can guess, her conversation with Zeus didn't quite go the way she planned. She marched into the throne room and yelled, Zeus, you won't believe what happened. She told him the whole story and demanded he do something. Strangely, Zeus did not seem furious. He wouldn't meet Demeter's eyes. He kept picking at the end of his lightning bolt. Sweat trickled down the side of his face. A cold feeling came over Demeter a kind of anger that was much deeper than anything she'd felt before. Zeus, what did you do? Well, Zeus shrugged sheepishly. Hades might have mentioned that he wanted to marry Persephone. Demeter's fingernails dug into her palms until her hands were dripping gold with ichor. And... And it's a good match. Hades is powerful. He's handsome. Uh, or, well, he's powerful. I want my daughter back, Demeter said. Now! 
Zeus squirmed down his throne. Look, babe, do not call me babe. I can't go back on my word. It's done. She's down in the underworld. They're married. End of story. No, Demeter said. Not end of story. Until I have my daughter back, nothing will grow on earth. Crops will die. People will starve. Every single living creature will share my pain until you do the right thing and return, Persephone. Demeter thundered out of the room. Thundering was usually Zeus's job, but she was beyond mad. Zeus told himself, Heh, she's just throwing a temper tantrum. Give her a few days and she'll get over it. Weeks passed. Then months. Humans starved by the thousands. And when humans starved, they couldn't make burnt offerings to the gods. They couldn't build new temples. All they could do was cry out in agony, praying to the gods 24-7. Help us! We're starving! Which gave Zeus a huge headache. Also... The gods were reduced to eating ambrosia and nectar, which got old fast. Without grain, they couldn't have any bread or those awesome fresh-baked brownies that Hera sometimes made. Finally, Zeus relented. He summoned his main messenger, a god named Hermes, and said, Hey, Hermes, go down to the underworld. Tell Hades he's got to send Persephone back right away, or we'll never have any peace. Nor brownies. On it, boss. Hermes zoomed down to the underworld. Meanwhile, Persephone had been in the palace of Hades this whole time, and she was learning the hard way that the world did not revolve around her. No matter how many times she stamped her feet, held her breath, or screamed for her mother, she couldn't get what she wanted. And she threw some epic temper tantrums. She tore up her bed which made it hard to sleep. She kicked the walls, which hurt her foot. And when Hades' ghostly servants brought her meals, she smashed the plates and refused to eat anything, even though she was starving. Quick pause. The whole not eating thing was very important. See, in Greek times, eating food in another person's house was like signing a contract. It meant you accepted your place as their guest, They had to treat you properly, but you also had to behave properly. Basically, it meant you and your host were on friendly terms. Persephone didn't want to sign that contract, not at all. The first few days, she refused to leave her room. Hades didn't force her to, though he tried to talk to her a few times. Look, he said, your dad agreed to the marriage. I'm sorry about the whole kidnapping thing, but... That was basically his idea. But honestly, I do love you. You're amazing and beautiful, and I promise, get out! She threw whatever she could grab, which happened to be a pillow. The pillow bounced off Hades' chest. Hades looked sad and left her alone. Around the fourth day, Persephone got bored and left her room. No one stopped her. She quickly realized why. Outside of the king's palace, there was no place to go. She was stuck in the underworld, with nothing in any direction except gray, gloomy plains filled with dead people, and no sky above except dark mist. 
even if she ran away from the palace, she didn't want to walk through those fields full of dead souls, and she had no idea how to get back to the upper world. The most infuriating thing? Hades refused to get mad at her. No matter how many plates she smashed or sheets she tore up or how many horrible names she called him. Though, honestly, she didn't know that many insults. She'd lived a happy, sheltered life, and calling Hades stupid head didn't quietly seem forceful enough. Hades took her abuse and told her he was sorry that she was angry. I do love you, he promised. You are the brightest thing in the entire underworld. With you here, I will never miss the sunlight again. You are warmer than the sun by far. You're a stupid head, she screamed. After Hades left, she realized that what he'd said was sort of sweet, but only in a creepy, pathetic way, of course. The days passed. The more Persephone wandered through the palace, the more amazed she became. The mansion was huge. Hades had entire rooms made of gold and silver. Every day, his servants set out new bouquets of flowers made from precious jewels. A dozen ruby roses on diamond stems, platinum and gold sunflowers with emerald-studded leaves. Even on Mount Olympus, Persephone had never seen such dazzling wealth. She started to realize that, as creepy and horrible as Hades was, he had tremendous power. He controlled thousands of souls. He commanded horrifying monsters and creatures of darkness. He had access to all the wealth under the earth, making him the richest god in the world. No matter what Persephone destroyed, he could instantly replace it with something even better. Still, she hated the place. Of course she did. She missed the sun and the meadows and the fresh flowers. The underworld was so clammy she could never get warm. The constant gloom gave her a serious case of seasonal affective disorder. Then, one day she stumbled across Hades' throne room. He was sitting at the far end, on a throne sculpted from thousands of bones, talking to a shimmering ghost. Persephone guessed it was a soul newly arrived from the mortal world, as it seemed to be giving Hades the latest news. Thank you, Hades told the spirit. But I will never give in. I don't care how many mortals die. Persephone marched up to the dais. What are you talking about, you horrible person? Who are you killing now? Hades looked stunned. He waved at the ghost and it disappeared. I... I don't want to tell you, Hades said. It would bring you pain. Which only made her want to know more. What's going on? Hades took a deep breath. Your mother is angry. She knows now that I took you for my wife. Ha! <laughs> Persephone's heart soared. Oh, you're in so much trouble. She's on her way right now with an army full of angry nymphs and grain spirits, isn't she? No, Hades said. Persephone blinked. No? She will not cross into the underworld, Hades said. She hates it here. She hates me. Of course she does, Persephone said, though she was a little disappointed. She had been counting on her mom to rescue her. Surely Demeter would come to get her personally, whether or not she hated the underworld. But 
I'm confused. What were you saying about mortals dying? Hades grimaced. Your mother is trying to force Zeus into getting you back. Demeter is starving the entire world, letting thousands of people die until you are returned to her. Persephone almost fell over. Her mother was doing what? Demeter had always been so gentle and kind. Persephone couldn't imagine her mom letting a corn plant die, much less thousands of people. But something told her that Hades wasn't lying. Persephone's eyes stung. She wasn't sure if she was sad or angry or just sick to her stomach. Thousands of mortals were dying because of her? You must return me, Persephone said. Immediately, Hades clenched his jaw. For the first time, he didn't look mopey or weak. He met her gaze. His dark eyes flared with purple fire. You are my very existence now, Hades said. You are more precious to me than all the jewels under the earth. I'm sorry you do not love me, but I will be a good husband to you. I'll do everything I can to make you happy. I will not return you. If I must, I will counter Demeter's attack. I will open the gates of the underworld and let the dead flood back into the world rather than release you. Persephone didn't know what to do with that information. Her heart felt like it was compressed into a tiny jewel, as bright and as hard as a diamond. She turned and fled. She ran down a corridor she'd never explored before, opened a doorway, and stepped into... a garden? She couldn't breathe. It was the most incredible place she had ever seen. Ghostly warm lights floated overhead. Perhaps the souls of particularly sunny dead people? She wasn't sure. But the garden was warmer and brighter than anywhere else in the underworld. Beautiful subterranean flowers glowed in the dark. Orchards of carefully pruned trees bore sweet-smelling blossoms and neon bright fruit. The paths were sculpted with rubies and topaz. White birch trees soared into the air like golden, frozen ghosts. A brook winded through the middle of the garden. On a nearby table sat a silver tray with a frosted decanter of nectar, along with Persephone's favorite cookies and fresh fruits. She couldn't understand what she was seeing. All the flowers and trees she loved best from the upper world were right here in this garden, somehow blooming and flourishing in the darkness. What? She couldn't form a sentence. How? Do you like it? Hades spoke just behind her. He'd followed her outside, and for once his voice didn't make her cringe. She turned and saw a tiny smile on his face. He didn't look so horrible when he smiled. You... you did this for me? He shrugged. I'm sorry it wasn't ready sooner. I gathered the best gardeners in the underworld. Asclephos, where are you? A thin young man appeared from the bushes. He had gardening shears in his hand. He was absolutely one of the dead, judging from his papery skin and the yellowish tinge in his eyes. But he managed to smile. He somehow looked more alert than the other zombies Persephone had met. Just pruning the roses, my lord, said Ascalaphos. My lady, a pleasure to meet you. 
Persephone knew she should say something like hello, but she was too stunned. Just then, a winged gargoyle flew into the garden. It whispered something in Hades' ear, and the god's face grew stern. A visitor, he said. Excuse me, my dear. When he was gone, Ascalophos gestured to the patio table. My lady, would you like something to eat? No, Persephone said automatically. Despite everything, she knew she shouldn't accept the hospitality of a god who had kidnapped her. Suit yourself, said the gardener. I just pickled these ripe pomegranates, though. They're amazing. He pulled one from his overalls and set it on the table, then cut the fruit into three parts with his knife. Hundreds of juicy purple-red seeds glistened aside. Now, personally, I'm not a big pomegranate fan, but Persephone loved them. They reminded her of her happiest moments above ground, frolicking in the meadows with her nymph friends. She looked at the luscious fruit, and her stomach howled in protest. It had been days since she'd eaten anything. She was immortal, so she couldn't die, but she felt like she was starving. A little bite won't hurt, she told herself. She sat down, put one seed in her mouth, and couldn't believe how good it tasted. Before she knew it, she had eaten a third of the fruit. She probably would have eaten more if Hades hadn't returned with his visitor, the god Hermes. My love, Hades called, and his voice sounded like he'd been weeping. Persephone shot to her feet. She hid her sticky purple fingers behind her and hoped she didn't have juice running down her chin. Mm-hmm, she mumbled, working a few half-chewed seeds around in her mouth. This is Hermes. Hades' face looked broken with despair. He, he has come to take you back. Persephone swallowed. But, but you said, Zeus commands it. Hades sounded so sad that Persephone forgot this is what she wanted. I would gladly fight any god for your sake, but even I cannot fight against the entire Olympian council. I am, I am forced to give you up. Persephone should have been shouting with joy. This is exactly what she wanted. So why did she feel so bad about it? She couldn't stand the look of devastation on Hades' face. He'd made this garden just for her. He'd treated her well. Well, at least after the initial kidnapping. And that had been Zeus's idea. Hades had been ready to open the gates of the dead just for her sake. Hermes didn't seem bothered by any of that. Well, excellent, he grinned at Persephone. Ready to go? Just some regulation questions I have to ask first. You know, custom stuff for crossing the border. Have you come into contact with any live animals? Persephone frowned. No. Visited any farms? Hermes inquired. Are you carrying more than 10,000 drachma in foreign currency? Uh, no. Last question, Hermes said. Have you eaten any food in the underworld? He held up his hands in apology. I know. It's a stupid question. I mean, obviously you're smarter than that. If you ate any food in the underworld, you'd have to stay here forever. Persephone cleared her throat. Uh... 
I don't know if she would have lied or not, but before she could answer, the gardener Ascalifos said, Show them your hands, my lady! Persephone blushed. She held out her hands, which were stained purple. One third of a pomegranate, she said. That's all. Oh, said Hermes. Mm. She can stay! Hades danced in a circle, grinning from ear to ear, then seemed to realize he didn't look very dignified. Er, I mean, she must stay. I'm sorry, my dear, if that makes you sad, but I can't pretend I'm not delighted. This is wonderful news. Persephone's emotions were so jumbled that she wasn't sure how she felt. Hermes scratched his head. Okay, this complicates things. I've got to report for new orders. I'll be back soon. He flew to Mount Olympus and told the other gods his news. When Demeter heard the problem, she flew into a rage. Somehow she managed to send a powerful curse straight through the ground into that underworld, just right into Hades' mansion. She zapped the gardener Ascalaphos into a gecko because he'd told on Persephone. Why a gecko? I have no idea. I guess, off the top of her head, a zombie gecko was the worst curse she could think of. Demeter threatened to let the world keep starving unless she got her daughter back. Hades sent a new message via Hermes, warning that the dead would rise in a zombie apocalypse unless Persephone stayed with him. Zeus was getting a splitting headache, imagining his beautiful world being ripped apart, until Hestia came up with a solution. Why don't we let Persephone divide her time? She suggested. She ate two-thirds of the pomegranate, let her spend a third of the year with Hades, and two-thirds with Demeter. Amazingly, all the gods agreed. Hades was happy to have his wife, even for just a third of the year. Demeter was overjoyed, but she never got over being mad at Hades. Whenever Persephone was in the underworld, Demeter turned cold and angry and wouldn't let the plants grow. According to the old stories, that's why there are three distinct seasons in Greece. And during the colder months of autumn, crops don't grow. As for Persephone, the whole experience kind of forced her to grow up. She fell in love with Hades and made a place for herself in the underworld, though she still enjoyed spending time in the mortal world with her mom and her old friends. The magic titan, Hecate, who had helped Demeter search, went to the underworld and became one of Persephone's attendants. And that was cool with Hecate. The underworld was much darker and a much better place to work magic than a drafty cave. After all that, Demeter really did settle down. She didn't throw any more temper tantrums, which was good, because once her sister Hera got started, oh, Hera's temper would make Demeter's anger look tame. <laughs>